Imagine More is a weekly podcast that explores the stories, passions, successes, and failures of young, unconventional entrepreneurs. Chantel works to uncover the person behind the passion and unpack the ingredients of their entrepreneurial minds. What is it that makes them imagine more? Hey, and welcome back to the Imagine More podcast. Hope you're having a fabulous week. Today, we're so excited to welcome our friend Elizabeth on the show. She is the founder and CEO of Domino Group, a PR firm located here in Atlanta, and they help companies in the beauty, fashion, and home industries. Uh, She has a really interesting story, founded this company after selling another, and I really can't wait to share a little bit more about her and her journey. Let's dive in. Hi, Elizabeth. Welcome to the Imagine More podcast. Hey, Chantel. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. Of course. We're we're eager to chat with you and get to know you better. I've had the opportunity to chat just once over coffee, so just know a little bit. Uh, but for our listeners who don't know you yet, can you tell everyone a little bit, uh, tell them a little bit about you and how you got started? Yeah, Absolutely. My name is Elizabeth White or Elizabeth Cook. I got married in the fall, so I'm still using a little bit of my maiden name and my married name, but (laughs) Elizabeth Cook. And I um, am the founder of Domino Media Group. We're an Atlanta PR and brand strategy firm, specialized in home, beauty, and fashion. So with that, PR, a lot of people are like, what exactly is PR? I'm kind of just working behind the scenes for a lot of brands that you know, trying to build buzz through digital placements, through print placements, and through broadcast placements. A lot of times, too, we're also coming up with kind of campaigns and um, just overall strategy plans throughout the year of things that um, would be good to, to help build buzz and, and kind of maximize everything that they're doing in-house. So when they have a product launch, we're behind the scenes pushing that information out and making sure people are well aware of all the hard work that they've been doing. Um, I also founded a hair accessories a hair accessories business. It's a little bit of a niche niche deal um, back in 2014. And that's really what spearheaded the launch of Domino. I had a small business of my own and realized everything that goes into a small business. And, um, you know, it is just so nice to have the support of other people to help raise awareness. And I learned that you can have the best product on the marketplace, but if no one knows about your product, you're not moving units. And so I was going to these trade shows and I was meeting people through my small business um, and started helping them with PR. And it kind of became a domino effect because other people would call and say, can you help me with this? And then I'd like to think domino becomes, or PR becomes a domino effect for your business. I love that. I did not know the name origin. And I think that's very clever. It's catchy. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So the hair accessory line, where where does that stand now? Um, and and yeah, let's try to dive yeah. into that. So I started the hair accessory line in 2014. Um, I moved down from New York to my home state of Georgia and just realized my life needed a little rejuvenating. Um, I was in a relationship I wasn't as sure about and was in a job I wasn't crazy about. And I'd always loved, A, energizing businesses, and that's really where Domino came about. And then also, I really loved hair barrettes, which sounds so funny, but I grew up from swimming to sleeping wearing hair barrettes and always thought that there was this need on the market for niche hair wear and was taking night classes at Parsons while I was in New York. And so I started hot glowing hair barrettes on my living room floor when I wasn't too excited about everything else that was going on around me. And it became um, almost like the best lifeline and and learning experience because when you have a small business and anybody that has one knows that it is such a grind and um, you're wearing a lot of hats as you need to because you can't necessarily have a lot of support or 
or bring in a lot of people off the bat. And, um, and so with the hair breadths, we, I was making these and we grew to be in about 75 stores and, um, was going to trade shows. And like, kind of, I said, I was just meeting all these people with products that were far surpassed my hot glued hair breadths. <laughs> and, um, but I, we were the ones that was getting put into magazines and, and being picked up for orders. And so people would come and ask me questions and it was really cool to see how the PR services and the hair breadths kind of merged together a little bit organically. They kind of fed off each other because simultaneously I was always still doing PR on a freelance basis. So I was never just doing the hair breadths or never just doing PR at the very beginning for about two years. Um, and one would sometimes help fund the other and vice versa. But I started taking on a lot more, um, a lot more responsibilities with Domino and we were taking on more clients and, um, at this point, I'd started to grow a little bit of a team and it was so hard to come away and pack orders. And I was so excited when somebody would place an order, but then I was like, shoot, I've got to pack that thing up. And, um, and with the hair breadths, I have a friend who was looking to extend her product offerings and she had um, a lot of time, energy and funds to invest in the growth of the hair breadths that I didn't at the point. And so it was really exciting because I was able to invest more time in Domino and I sold the company to her to be able to, to kind of have under her umbrella. Um, and that was last spring. So it's been about a, a year since the company's been sold. And just going through the process of starting business and then selling it, um, I feel like was an invaluable learning experience for me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's c- – congratulations. I, mean, I imagine selling a business is no easy feat and having to figure out the logistics and – what do you value the company for? What does someone else? So yeah. that's really exciting. And it's is so it funny because, di- oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, you could value your company completely different than somebody else will. That's what I've learned. There's not really, there's there's sort of metrics people use, but really it's it's sort of objective. And I obviously have a more emotionally tied to the business as an owner than somebody else that's looking at it as a third party. Um but I just learned there's just not really one way to sell the company and there's so many different assets you can take into consideration. Um, so really tried to leverage like the press placements the, the company has garnered or the wholesale accounts um, and selling lists that have been made throughout the process and contacts as well as even high-res imagery to, um, to our social media followers, to things along those lines. That is really interesting that um... – you know, part of what you and I do every day is this PR and, and social piece and how that that now plays a part in a company um, acquisition or sale. And I think I had never thought about it like that, but that is a very good point. Oh, it's such a, such a big point. And you guys do such a great job at telling a brand story. And it kind of is similar to PR because in the sense if no one knows, again, knows about that product, then they're not aware to make the purchase for it or go to the restaurant that they're seeing. And and I mean, that's such a big um, asset when you are selling it or when you're just trying to drum up business, either one. Yeah, absolutely. What is the kind of biggest takeaway that you learned um, when selling that company? Is there one that comes I le- to mind? Um, I think the biggest thing is that I learned that if you ever do plan on selling your company, it's good to think of an exit strategy sooner than later. So you can you can set up your company for success with a sell of a company. Um, I feel like I didn't think about selling the company. It wasn't something that I really planned on from the beginning. And it's not something that um, I knew how to do. And 
um, but I was always really fascinated with private equity and I'm not a numbers girl. I just loved the idea of how people build businesses and then they make them stronger and then sell them off. Um, but I think coming up with an exit strategy and then being confident on who you're selling it to. My dad, and who was an entrepreneur, he always said he could vaguely look at the CEO of any company and tell if that company will be successful or not. And I think that's very true. I had a lot of trust in Taylor Miller, who I, who I sold the hair barrettes to, and she's done an incredible job um, making them stronger and getting them in more locations across the country. And I'm just really proud when I go and see them and also so excited when I see her name behind the hair barrettes. It's um, very much a, it's just been fun, very fun to watch. I was going to ask you, has it, was it at all difficult at any point to, you know, kind of let go of the reins and watch someone else take it perhaps in a different direction and maybe for the better at the time, but, you know, hard to look, um, you know, just to let it go yeah. because it is something that you built. I think the, the hair barrettes were, were so good for me at the time. I knew they probably weren't going to be my, my lifelong occupation, but I loved that it gave me a lot of confidence in my abilities in building a business and in having a goal and working towards that goal um, and a, a lot of excitement when I would see strangers wearing flair in their hair. And those are things that I think the brand, um, the gifts that they gave me. But again, I knew that it wasn't in for the long haul. So this was such a good experiment in, in having a small business. And at the same time, Domino was ramping up so much that having a small business of my own, now working with small business owners, I feel like really kind of gave me an acute understanding of all the needs that, are, that go into having a small business. So we offer more than just PR and kind of consult a little bit more on than just PR. Um, and that has helped me, I feel like, have a broader understanding. But it, I'm sorry, I kind of got off on a tangent, but it it was very exciting to watch somebody else take it away um, or to watch it grow. I think it, it's a little bittersweet, but at the same time, it um, knew that it was on to its next chapter and so was I. And so I was excited that my business wasn't going to wasn't going to maybe fall because I didn't have the time to invest in it, mm -hmm. um, that it was just going to continue on, but just under somebody else's wing. And I think I got incredibly lucky that the person who purchased it was a friend of mine and somebody that I really trusted and, and works incredibly hard every day um, for the growth of her company and the growth of the hairbreads underneath her company that, you know, I don't know if everybody who sells their company feel the same because I think a lot of that has to do with who you sell it to and what their plans are for for your business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a very, very serendipitous that, you know, you had a friend that wanted to expand. I think that's a really great um, transition and probably felt really natural at that time. I mean, certainly maybe scary too, but exciting and um, that it wasn't just going away or going to someone you didn't know. Yeah, definitely. I think it's super fascinating. You touched on that your dad um, has always mentioned that you can kind of just take a quick glance and uh, gauge if that CEO and the business will be successful. Are there any um, metrics or um, personality traits that kind of have been instilled in you that he always mentioned were those um, those ticks that made a company successful or what kind of quantified that for him? I think a lot of times he would look at the individual and if they um, truthfully were and this is probably a very poor way of describing it, but um, 
you'll notice how some people say they can't do something or something's not possible, or I'll meet a lot of people that will dwell on an idea for a very long time. And once they decide to execute, that time is kind of, that window is really passed. And people that are decisive and they're, um, what can I do and, and are very willing to help. My dad has always told us that, um, that nothing is to be expected and that, um, you know, you very much have to work for whatever you want and nothing will, will be handed, but that, um, that life is, is really who wakes up the earliest and who stays the latest and who is the most helpful. And that will pay in the long run. And I, and I really believe that to be true. I think the more that you can do to make somebody else's life easier, the more inclined they would be to work with you. And it's the same when people work for us, anybody that takes something off my plate, I'm always very grateful. And I think that's the biggest lesson that he said, but I mean, really anybody that's that's constantly trying to improve themselves. It doesn't matter if they went to the best school or not. I think just somebody that's working to, to read a book or go to a continuing education class or just constantly curious um, and learning about different fields, which is why I love these podcasts so much. It's so much fun to learn about entrepreneurs in other areas, I think, is, is somebody that's bound to, to maybe not be, to, to be more successful than somebody that um, is, is kind of letting life happen to them. A little bit more. That's that. Those are great examples. I think what really resonated with me and all of the great guests that we're chatting with on the podcast is just that that um, eagerness to continue to learn. And it seems like for everyone we talk to, that has never turned off. Um, and there's never an excuse of oh, you know, I got too busy, so I couldn't read that extra chapter, <laughs> or I couldn't go to that, you know, class at the very end of the day after a very stressful day. I mean, there's just no excuses around this continued education uh, for entrepreneurs, which I think is really fascinating and a very good point. Fast forward. Okay. So would love to dive okay. into Domino. You are, you have a team, um, you relocated. So I gather you wanted, okay, you left New York, you quit that job. Um, did you have anything to help kind of supplement, um, any income during this transition of, okay, I'm going to do full-time Brett's and start a PR company, or you went all in and then you moved to Atlanta? No, so that's a, that's a great question. I um, moved, when I moved here, I started with a small firm in Atlanta and it, it, it was excited to have a job. It just wasn't um, a very good fit for me and um, ended up, and this is, sounds kind of bad, but I just knew it wasn't a good place and for me and, um, ended up leaving not too long after, but as soon as I left, what I did is, um, I had maybe, I think I had one month's rent under my belt. So not a whole lot. And I reached out to two people in Atlanta who I thought was doing, thought were doing really cool things. And I told them my background and I said, I'd love to work with you, um, for eight weeks complimentary to help. And if you feel value at the very end of this, would love to discuss a retainer structure um, and being, you know, brought on as, as a, as a publicist for, for your company. And that was great because A, I didn't know anybody in Atlanta. So I met people that I thought were really interesting. And then also out of those two, one ended up coming on as a client. So I had that retainer fee and the way Domino set up is that people pay me a retainer fee. And so I'm available all throughout the week and we're kind of always, on and off of emails or off of calls, but I'm constantly there. Um, so this was my first full-time client that came about because of that. And at the same time, it kind of works out well when you, I sort of think when you don't have, when you really need to, to 
make money and you really need to, um, to, you know, it kind of forces you to, to do more mm-hmm. things maybe than you would right off the bat. And I ended up, um, needing to move home for a little bit. And that was, I was from Columbus, Georgia, which is about two hours South of Atlanta. And at that time I was like, I have got to get out of here. And, um, we, I just did a trade show in January at America's Mart. And I knew that in order for the hair breadths to grow and to really sell the number that I knew that we needed in order to, to get that growth and also get, um, the, the dollars behind it. I, I knew the power of TV from working in PR and I contacted Good Morning America and the Today Show. And essentially Good Morning America wrote me back and said, thank you, but no, thank you. They both of them do these segments where they'll discount a product 50% and they'll put you on TV like a deals and steals, um, is the name of the program. And, and, but they're huge. I'd worked with them in New York and I mean, clients that we worked with that were on those shows just moved an astronomical amount of units. And so, um, they said, thank you, but no, thank you. And then I saw that the host was going to be in Atlanta for America's Mart, this trade show that I was, I was going to. So I went to Kinko's and at this point I'm living at home. So I'm, I'm not paying rent somewhere else, which has been really helpful, but, um, I'm still doing PR. And I think at this point too, I even had two or three clients, um, in the PR side, but I made it, made foam board copies of, of hair barrettes and girls hair and put them all together. And maybe had like seven of them. And I went to this, went to, she did a discussion, went to her discussion. And then afterwards I was the very last person and introduced myself and showed her what the hair barrettes look in her hair, brought her a package of hair barrettes and gave her these visual examples. And, um, she started, started like an email conversation about two weeks later. She said, we've got a slot open, um, at the end of February, you know, would you like it? And she said, you need about 4,000 hair barrettes for initial orders. She estimated and with how it works with like a Good Morning America segment is if you're, if you don't get out all your orders within a certain number of days, you're financially, financial, like obligated to pay people back and pay the, pay ABC. Oh, wow. And, um, and which is a good, again, cause it's like a little bit of pressure. And you also, from a customer service standpoint, you want to get those out in a certain time frame. But, um, but I had about 400 hair barrettes to my name and again, I needed 4,000. So I am very much one of those people that says yes, and you kind of figure it out afterwards. And I thought she was so gracious to give us the opportunity. And so I went home and rented an an apartment and I hired two girls from the apartment complex that wanted extra hours. One of them doesn't drink after one bad night at like hooligans and the other one, (laughs) which is like a local steak bar in South Georgia. And the other one um, was a professional bodybuilder and I stress eat. So she was like, put down those wheat thins, Elizabeth. Um, but the, the, and my younger sister flew home from Texas and the four of us were like the Motley crew. And we made a huge production line in, um, this apartment in, in Columbus. And then I had local businesses that were so, so willing to help and so excited, which is, I mean, now when I think about it it was such a blessing and so amazing. And I was going, um, to these like 3d printers and I would be putting, my name on the back of hair barrettes when they're really supposed to be doing invitations for people. And, um, another, a company in Columbus who does cheese straws went and picked up all of our packaging in Atlanta. Um, I mean, so we had this huge operation and ended up selling like, I think it was like 8,000 hair barrettes or something. And, um, and so it was great because a, it was just this huge surge where people got to know what the brand was and, um, moved a lot of units, but it also, gave us a little bit of, of, I mean, a little bit of money in order to, 
to help invest in, in more orders. My dad had given me um, a $2,000 loan to buy product before Good Morning America. So I paid him back and then had a little bit of money left over where I put down six months of, of rent at an apartment in Atlanta and then moved back up here. Um, so that, I mean, that was really what, because it's so funny when you're, you know, when you start, you have to also be financially able to be able to afford to do what, to, to start your own business. And that's what's hard for a lot of people is to make that leap. Well, I think it's really neat. Just you said yes, and then you figured it out. Um, and there could have been other, you know, there may have been other people in the past that had that same opportunity and simply hesitated or said, oh, I don't know, I don't have 4,000 and um, didn't have the mentality to just make it work and figure it out. And um, here you are today, simply because you kind of took a chance on yourself and, and realized that you would put in all the time and effort it needed to make it happen, which I think is uh, very commendable. Well, thank you. Yeah. I think it is a big thing. Just, you know, it's again, just saying yes. And what else can we do? And, but opportunities only come around. I think you make your own luck and they come around because of that. But, um, if you don't jump on them, then it's, it's your loss. And that would have been, um, that was such a big thing for me at the time. So it was definitely very fun, but it was, um, crazy. And I actually saw the girl, Chantel, who put us on Good Morning America. Um, and I'll, her name's Tori Johnson. And I'll never forget her. I'm always internally grateful for her taking the chance to put us on TV and came up to her at America's Mart and felt like, I mean, you would have thought she was Barbara Streisand. <laughs> I was so excited. <laughs> and she was like, who are you? And um, anyway, and told her thank you, but was so giddy and so nervous. Um, so speaking of kind of that yes mentality now that you are strictly in PR and the domino and you know your company um, has it been a struggle sometimes to unplug and you know maybe not say yes to everything because you're starting to realize maybe that particular client wouldn't be the best fit for the company and the growth and and where you see the company's scaling to Definitely. I think it's a learning process. I am constantly still learning what the best practice is and how to the best use of my time and team's time. Um, but I feel like I said yes to a lot of things off the bat in order to, to be involved in them. And I think it's more taking clients on. Um, and then I've said yes to helping them with different things that are really outside of our scope or, or, sh- or outside of especially um, what we are signed on to do for them. And, and that takes time away from other clients. So it's been a, trying to be a, bit, a little bit of a balancing act and, and stepping back at times. Um, I'm not the best at negotiating. And so I've really tried to be better at being firm. You say, this is what this amount of time would take. Um, and these are what kind of the results would, would vary, but this is what it would long look like. And this is what the retainer cost would be. Um, so that's something I struggle with, but I'm, I'm still learning. And, and we've feel fortunate that we work with a lot of primarily strong women entrepreneurs around the country, but we've had a couple clients where we've made partnerships and it hasn't been the best fit. And, um, and that was because I think I just jumped because it was so exciting to, to get this account or to have somebody that wanted to invest so many, so much in us. Um, but it was, it just turned out to not necessarily be the best fit. Mm-hmm. I wonder, I, I certainly can relate to that. And I, I'd be curious if a lot of service businesses, um, 
you know, in the first few years of starting a company, if it is really difficult to dif- differentiate or um, to determine if, you know, if I am the best fit for that or if someone else would be better because you see it as an opportunity to help them um, as just that person that loves to generate ideas and um, help people. But then also you see it as a, um, you know, an opportunity to for additional revenue and to grow the team and to help that vision come to life. So I bet everyone, I certainly struggled with that initially and still sometimes do because um, I may have that shiny penny syndrome a little bit where I see something come in and it seems super excited and and, um, and then I have to kind of get reeled in by the rest of the team to say, okay, well, this is not the niche and we need to stay focused. Um, but yeah, I bet that's a very common um, trend in you know, starting a company. Yeah. <laughs> um, love to dive a little bit into your day-to-day now. So can you talk about the team structure and how you um, have delegated and kind of differentiated the roles? Yeah. So um, we have two full-time team members, an account director and account coordinator. Um, we all work on all of our accounts. We've got 18 accounts right now across the country. We have two people that freelance. We have one, a girl that helps with graphic design and then one that helps um, with our finances. She handles all of our numbers. And then right now we have a slew of interns um, that are helping throughout the summer, which has been really helpful. But the best, one of the best things that I ever did is when we started Domino's, probably about four months in, is brought on um, our account director, Sarah Slaughter, who I had worked with in New York, which was really nice because we were servicing clients who paid a million dollars a year in PR services. And we would go about it in the same type of practice as we do to clients that we work with today for a lot, I mean, obviously a lot less. And um, But it would be a similar structure. And I think that took a lot of time um, away that might have had to, to be put into training because we, we meshed really well together. And then we also had that same background training um, to be able to just jump in and, and help. And it, and it also helps so much when you have somebody there to be able to bounce things off of. I think um, even just from a sanity perspective, it's been really helpful. And then we brought on um, Mackenzie, our account coordinator, who's been wonderful. She just graduated from Georgia and um, and is, I mean, helped us out so much. And and essentially, how we split the three roles is I am talking to clients usually all day. My day to day is a lot busier than when we first started, where I was kind of on emails all day. Now I'm on and off of emails, but primarily on calls and, and meetings. Um, so I rely heavily on my team to kind of step in in, in between. Sarah is a, is a really great writer, and she does a lot of our writing. We also um, outsource a lot of writing to a, a girl in Los Angeles who will help write us press releases when things are really busy, which so I guess we have three freelancers. Um, but she helps with a lot of the writing, and then she also helps with clients, client management, and will be pitching. Um, and then Mackenzie is just full-time pitching. So it's really nice because if I'm on calls all day, you know, our ultimate ultimate job at the end of the day is to really be pitching clients out nonstop and um, be really celebrating the work that they're doing and and getting people excited. So a lot of times I'll come up with kind of maybe how we're going to go about that and and different ideas of who to target. And then she's the one that executes it along with Sarah. And then I pop in um, throughout the week, but they're on it full time. Do you miss the pitching side of of things or were you happy to um, find a good fit for that? 
Well, I'm definitely still pitching. I think at some point I'll probably need to stop just as we grow. It, it's hard to to be as deep into emails and also be on calls all day. Um, so I'm definitely, I'm still doing both, but I like pitching a lot. I think it's very fun to frame it in a certain way and, and try to, you know, it's just really about how you can add value to somebody else. And it's just, just like in life, but it, it, with pitching, you're looking to see what somebody covers and then you're looking at your client to see if that would be a relevant fit. And when you say, um, you know, this is a thought for this column that you work on, bi-monthly column, I want to put it on your radar. Um, it makes it a little bit easier for them to want to maybe to use because you have given them the exact area of that publication, that um, exact area of the outlet. And then you give them the high-res images. I always say, please find high-res images here. So that takes a lot of time off all of our belts because if somebody's working out at nine o'clock at night, they don't have to email us and say, do you have the high-res image you could send me? Um, and also I think it makes it more apt for them to include just because it makes it more accessible. Um, but I think it, I'm, I don't miss do, pitching full-time, but um, I still get definitely a taste. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I only have a couple more questions to wrap things up, Elizabeth. Um, and the first is, what is next on the horizon for Domino Media Group? So I, I think we're all still trying to figure it out. I feel like, um, which isn't the best answer, but Domino came about because it just was a flow where people just keep asking, kept asking us for PR help. And it's the same thing now. We, we don't go after clients and I need to start um, being better at, at promoting myself and promoting the business and, and reaching out to different businesses. Um, so right now I feel like we have a lot going on. So I think it's really trying to sustain the growth without growing too fast. I think the next step would be, we need to hire another full-time member to kind of help support everything that's going on. Um, and then we're really deep in holiday gift guides right now. So it's, it's like once we get through this holiday season, which is really funny because it goes from now till December, but it essentially goes from now till end of September when you're working on print holiday gift guides. Um, take a take a deep breath and then kind of reevaluate what our plan is for the next year ahead. Well, I think it's a true testament to your team and and you that all the business has been word of mouth and referrals and just coming in organically. Um, I mean, I think that's again speaks to the service that you guys are providing and the value. So that's amazing. And then last but not least, how can people get in touch with you, learn more if they're interested in a position down the line, or just curious more about the acquisition um, and how you've built your your companies. How can they get in touch? Yes. Um, I'm happy to talk to anybody and everybody. My email is Elizabeth, E-L-I-Z-A-B-E-T-H at dominomediagroup.com. Um, and that'll be, that's my direct email. So you would get me every time. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and um, helping guide us. And we all are learning new things. So we really appreciate it. I really appreciate you having me on, Chantel. It means so much. And, um, and again, I'm, I'm, if anybody has any questions that's listening, um, please reach out.